You know, in everything that we do in working with people, you, you try to persuade people by the way you act, things you say and do, your attitude, and um, trying to be friendly, nice, kind, considerate, all those wonderful Christian, you know, terminology that helps us to explain who and what we are. But the most persuasive thing we could ever do is persuade someone to trust the Lord. And so uh, soul winning is just doing that. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So the first thing I guess you could start off with is you've you got to be a saved man. So a person needs to know Christ as their Savior because that's, that's the key to learning the rest of it. Now the things we're going to talk about tonight are not for the lost man. It's for the, the saved man. Those that do know Christ as their Savior. So uh, number one I have down is be a staying man. You say, what do you, what do you mean by that? It means to abide. The Lord uses the word abide many times in Scripture. Abiding in Him. My little children, abide in Him that when He shall appear we may not be ashamed before Him at His coming and so on. And He says that uh, He's the, uh, the vine with the branches. Is abide in me unless you abide in me. We ought to stay where we have been placed. And uh, you are a child of God. And I want you to look there in Titus in chapter 1. Titus chapter 1. And notice as Paul is talking to young Timothy, uh, most of these things are said by uh, senior daddy, um, Mr. Paul, to uh, Timothy Jr. But I did want to show this one verse here from the book of Titus in chapter 1. And you'll see there in verse 4, To Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. For this cause... Left I thee in Crete, that thou should have set in order the things that are wanting, and ordained elders in every city. Uh, this is what God wants. Now, when you study the book of Timothy, you'll find out that uh, it deals mostly with sound doctrine. And here, when we're talking about Titus, it's the divine order. So there is a, a order in which God wants things done. And he says, first of all, he said, I want you to get some Elders. Elders don't just appear. They have to be trained. They have to know the Word of God. They're usually older saints in the Lord. And he left them there for a reason because some work has to be done. And Paul was on his way to another place. He would go to a place, win people to Christ, turn over somebody, you take that one, and I'm going to the next one. I'm going, I'm going to the next one. But um, here in this verse, in verse 5, for this cause left I thee there. So I believe he was supposed to stay there until he got the job done. So uh, I wrote down there, when you're a soldier, you don't leave your post until orders are received from higher up. Learning the chain of command. And when you believe that God leads you to a certain place to do a certain thing, stay there until you do believe that God wants you to leave. Not because of the problems and the heartaches and all the troubles, it's because you believe this is what God wants. Then you make your decision, always because you believe this is what God wants. And... Uh, don't go contrary to him. But look there in 1 Timothy. I want you to see this verse. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3. He says, As I besought thee, and here's those two words, abide still at Ephesus. When I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than give a godly edifying which is in faith, so do. 
And now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and a faith unfeigned. And it uh, says, from which some, having swerved, have turned aside unto vain jangling. You abide where God puts you, and you abide in the things that God's taught you. And don't be a fly-by-night, be solid, be stable, accomplish something. And then whenever you learn the Word of God, you hang on to what you know to be true, and you don't let it go, and you don't step aside from truth. A truth don't have to bend. Truth is always truth. It's what it is. Second uh, Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2. And look there in verse 3. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Because that's what you are. You are a soldier. Learn to take orders, and you don't move on until you get some uh, authority from higher up. And as a child of God, your authority should always come from the Lord. Always come from the Lord. And, uh, and look to Him. Trust Him. Walk with Him. And uh, stay close to the Lord, and you'd be surprised how God may lead and guide you. Uh, see, everything that we do is kind of taking steps. You don't know what you're going to be doing down the road. But right now, you take and stand still and do what God wants you to do where you are. And when God's ready for you to move on, God will let you know. But don't just always use you know, problems and people as an excuse to, to get away from a responsibility. But when you know that this is what God wants you to do, then fine, move on. I never have any problem with people that believe that this is what God wants. I may ask them, how do you know? I may want to talk to them a little bit because some people always just want to run from some responsibilities. So you're always interested in that. But look at number two. Be a standing man. Because we're talking about how do you persuade people by being what people ought to be. You persuade people to do what you are. And see, whatever you are is what you multiply. It's what you reproduce. Everybody reproduces after your own kind. And if you are a soul winner, you will reproduce soul winners. If you're deadhead, you're going to produce deadheads. If you're a whiner, you're going to produce whiners. If you're a soul winner, you produce soul winners. It's whatever you are. And the greatest thing you'll ever build is not going to be a ministry. The greatest thing you'll ever build is yourself. Let God build you. And all the things that happens is to make you strong and build you. And then whatever you are is what you'll do. Because you'll reproduce after your own kind. So learn to let God do some building. And that's why he says in the book of Jude, to talk about building up yourselves in your most holy faith. Building up yourselves. And uh, it's kind of like getting, you know, you want to be big and strong and a lot of muscles, you know, kind of like I am. But you, you, you go to gym and you work out and you do some weights and push-ups and all that kind of stuff to try to build yourself up. Well, spiritually, that's what you have to do. And whatever you are, it ought to be good enough that somebody says, you know, as a Christian, I, I want to be like that person. But you're persuading them without having to say the word. You're discipling people without using the word discipleship. Because, you see, you just want to train whoever follows. And you can't determine how many will follow you. You just lead and train those that will follow. And if you get three or five or 20, maybe 100, 
maybe a thousand. You don't know how many you're going to get down the road. Just be faithful with what God's given to you, and God will bless you for doing so. The, the, the stand that you're supposed to take is uh, about what the Lord has done for you and not forgetting what he's taught you. And in Galatians in chapter 5 and verse 1, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty where the Christ hath made us free. Learning enough from the word of God that you're able to stand the way God wants you to stand. And um, as God's children, uh, realizing that as you take a stand, it's only because you're, you're strong enough in the Lord. But in the book of Ephesians, in chapter 6, where he makes the statement, stand fast, and then he makes the statement in the same chapter of 6 about not running, not bending, but standing upon what the Word of God says and having done all to stand. Where it talks about the armor of the Lord and put it on the shield and put it on the helmet and the breastplate and all these things. And having done all, you stand. A lot of Christians are not strong enough to withstand the pressures of the world. And if you don't stand, you're going to fall. I wrote a little statement underneath there that when the war is over, when the war is over and the smoke clears, you didn't fought your fight, you want to be left standing. And that's why he makes the statement that uh, I have fought a good fight there in chapter 4. And he says, I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. You want to finish standing. You don't want the devil to be able to destroy you, to knock you down, to get you down. And that's why as you live your Christian life, you have to be very careful that you don't allow the devil to have an opening to get to you. And always watching and preparing. But anyway, as we're moving right along here, look at number three. Be a strong man. Now, in Ephesians in chapter 6, in verse 10, talks about, and be strong in the power of his might. Being strong in the Lord. Now, to be strong, you have to do things that will make you strong. And being strong is not just so that you can walk around showing how strong you are. It's so that you can fight battles. It's so that you can win. It's because there's going to be things that's going to happen that's going to challenge you and tempt you, to lure you. To destroy you. And so you have to be strong enough to know your limits, your boundary of what you can and cannot do. And so you get to protect yourself. And uh, this is trying to persuade a person to be wise, to be careful. And don't play the, the foolish game, well, it won't happen to me. Anything can happen to you if you let down your guard. And this is why it's so important. Uh, I've been married going on 51 years, and I'd like to make it until we get to be with the Lord. And to be faithful, you've got to guard yourself and have a testimony that's outstanding. And so that's, that there's a war going on. And so you're trying to, to do what's right. So that's the only reason I tell you. It's not because I'm better. It's because I'm afraid of, uh, I might be weak and I not, may not stand the way I should. And so a part of my strength is, guarding myself and stay away from the edge. Don't see just how far or how close you can get without going over the edge. <laughs> Not this guy. 
I don't think that's a wise thing to do. But I do want you to look at this scripture in Joshua. Look all the way over there to the book of Joshua. I love Joshua. Joshua's a tremendous book. But look there in Joshua. You know, he was um, oh, I, Moses' sidekick for a long time, 40 years. He was just second man, uh, second in charge. And then whenever Moses passed off the scene, Joshua got the nod. And he says here in verse um, 5, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. What, did you realize what that says? That's God giving assurance to Joshua. And he says, As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. I will not fail you, nor forsake thee. And the Old Testament was written for our ammunition so that we can learn something from it. Now, what can you learn from that? Is there anything you can learn from that? Where he says, I will be with thee. Is that supposed to be comforting? You tell me. You think about it. God said it. I will not fail thee. Surely there's something you can get out of that. There must be a point there to be made. And the last part of it says, nor forsake thee. I'll never forsake thee. Well, look what else he says. In verse 6, be strong. See, that's a choice that you make. You're the one that has to decide whether or not, do I really want to be strong? If I want to be strong in the things of the Lord, then that's my decision. But I have to commit myself to doing whatever it will take to make me strong. So be strong and of a good courage, because it's so easy to get discouraged. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Get verse 7. Only be thou, and here's that word again, strong, very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. So this means that Joshua will never have any troubles. He'll never have a problem. No, he had problems right off the bat. He had a lot of problems. But he did what God says do, and God never forsook him. And he did make his way prosperous. And so there's things, and I remember reading about Moses, I mean, uh, Joshua saying, uh, I know not what others are going to do. He said, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. And that's what he did. And he says in verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein every once in a while, day and night. Meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So when he made that promise to him, it's conditional upon him staying in the Word, night and day. Meditated upon the Word of God. Studying the Word so that he would be able to do what God told him to do. And then God would make his way prosperous, and he would have good success. And then verse 9, Have not I commanded thee? And here it is again. Be strong 
and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Now, that is a, a good promise that I believe God's people ought to hang on to. Because you're talking about being strong in His might, being strong in the Lord. And every one of us should be strong. When we hear that one verse, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me, it must be that I can do all things through Christ. Well, if I can, then it means that Christ can do all things. If I can do all things through Christ, then it must mean that Christ can do all things. True? There's no limit to what He can do. And all you've got to do is just, just learn to walk with Him and learn to trust Him. And He will do what He promised that He will do. Number four, be a serving man. Uh, remember I made the statement one time, uh, I, don't, I don't mind serving God, it's people that I have trouble with. But you can't figure out how to serve God without serving people. Because God says to serve Him, I have to serve people. So whether you like it or not, I've had people, well, I don't like those people at church, I don't like my neighbors, they just don't like anybody. Okay, now, so that means you're exempt from serving God because you don't have to serve those that you don't like. And you don't have to be nice and kind and so forth to those you don't like. It has nothing to do with who you like and who you don't like. You have a responsibility. And you can't serve God without serving people. And you're not to be a respecter of persons. But anyway, the next statement is be a serving man. 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And look there in verse 1. The first six verses. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I've had services where I've, because of a Bible college, I've had to give a charge to those that were being ordained to the ministry. When I was over there in India, and I think he had nine or so that was being ordained into the ministry, and I had a part in that service. And these are generally verses that we read to somebody who wants to commit themselves to the ministry of the Lord. But look what Paul says to young Timothy. And you see if there's anything in there that you can apply to yourself. Because if this is what God wants from the man of God, well, maybe there's something in here that every one of us ought to have. Because he says, I charge thee before God, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Well, you can't preach the word if you don't know the word. So you got to know the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Being instant means be ready at all times. Always be ready. In season, out of season. When it's time to plant and when it's not time to plant. When you're sowing and you're reaping. It's not all necessarily done at the same time. There's times when you will find that you'll have a harvest of souls, and then it seems like you'll have dry spells. Sometimes it seems like everything's going great, and sometimes everything's not going great. But it says, be instant in season and out of season. Reprove. It means to charge here, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. So, this is why we're supposed to reprove somebody when they're wrong and to rebuke somebody if necessary. And the Bible talks about 
taken the light of the Word of God and shining it on people so they can see what's wrong with them. But get what he says. In verse 3, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. In other words, you might know it, but you don't want to endure it. You don't want to stay there. And that's why some people, they get tired. They don't want to do the work anymore. They just want people to make them feel good. That's what you're talking about, itching ears. Just make me feel good while I'm not doing anything. And so that's why they want to heap to themselves the kind of preachers that lets them do and live however they want without feeling that sense of reprove or rebuke or confrontation where I don't have to change anything. And so preachers that do not preach against sin, their churches will be packed. You preach on sin, and nobody likes it because it's, that's personal. And they don't want you to talk about that. So therefore, there's a price to pay. But he says, And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. Things that are fiction, stories. But he said in verse 5, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand, and I need you coming up behind me. I need somebody else to fill the gap. And this is what you're supposed to do. I fought a good fight. I finished my race. It's your turn now. And a guy named Greg Steer, he wrote a little book called You're Next. You're Next. Because you see, me and Dr. Lindstrom, we're moving on off the scene. One of these days, you know, I'll be gone. And we're hoping that there's somebody that's listened to what we've said and are going to be strong in the Lord so that they can continue doing and taking a stand the way they should for the gospel's sake and to do all of this. So that's, um, that's the serving man. Colossians 1.28 simply talks about how that we teaching every man, warning every man, because it's part of our responsibility to, to serve the Lord. Serving the Lord is serving people. Trying your dead level best to get people to do what's right. Trying to challenge and motivate them. Number five, be a spiritual man. In being a spiritual man, you must be spiritually minded. So if you're spiritually minded, means you mind the spirit. To be fleshly minded means you mind the flesh. So you and I have a choice. And as we grow in the Lord and become spiritually minded, uh, we should become more like the Lord. And that's found in the book of Romans in chapter 8 and um, verse 6. But 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Look there, right where we are. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Not 2 Timothy now. And look over there in 1 Timothy chapter 4, in verse 7, where it says, But refuse profane and old wise fables. And exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Unto godliness. Because, you see, that is so very important, the word godliness. That's uh, hard to be spiritual when you're ungodly. And if you'll notice here, it says in verse 8, For bodily exercise profiteth little, but it does profit. But godliness is profitable. Unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So bodily exercise, there is some profit. But evidently, 
being spiritually strong, spiritual exercise is a lot more important. And this is what causes the person to be a spiritually strong individual. And some people are not spiritually strong. And when you're not spiritually strong, you cannot withstand the pressures of this life. You will not be able to win against the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. There's a war on. There's a battle. And you will not be able to stand against it. Number six. Number six is be a studying man. When I was making up my mind to go to Bible school, I was out there in Shreveport, Louisiana. And I don't know why, but I did. I imagined, I pictured myself in college. But for some reason or other, I kept picturing myself in an attic. And there were books on the floor all the way to the ceiling. And everything was crowded all over. And I had a desk, and I'm sitting there at the desk with a little lamp. <laughs> and all these books are all over, and I'm swarmed. And I'm trying to study these books because I'm going to study for the ministry. And it scared me to death. I thought, how will I learn all of this? I used to take the Bible, and I'd look at it, and i think, how will I ever learn this book? I said, a man can't live long enough to learn this book. So why am I going to go to Bible school? But I knew I got to do something. And that I could not know the will of God without knowing the Word of God. So it was the will of God to know the Word so I could know His will. Makes sense. So I'm going to Bible college. And I remember Betty's dad, and I told him on the phone. He started questioning me. How do you know? How do you know that this is what God wants you to do? I said, I don't know, <laughs> but I'm going to Bible college. So you're going to be a preacher. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All I know is that I don't want people to go to hell. And I know that I need to know the book. And I had a hunger and I wanted to do it. And he was afraid of me going to Bible college. Because he says, Bible college are just like the seminaries. They're all cemeteries. He says, and they'll kill you. They'll, they'll rip that fire out of your gut and you're not going to want to do anything. So I, well, I'm going anyway. I said, well, I'm, I'm bringing Betty and the kids to, the, to your house. <laughs> and I'm going to leave Betty and the kids with y'all. And I'm going to Bible school. So anyway, I got a lot of memories. I, I know I'm getting old because I do a lot of reminiscing that I used to never even do. Never even thought about this stuff. But I knew that I had to study to study. And if you want to know the will of God, you have to study and know the word of God. And I think that was an advantage that has served me well over the years. And I know that if you listen to Dr. Hank Lindstrom, his knowledge of the Bible was unsurpassed. I mean, the guy just knew the book and probably could go back and forth all over the place and never have to even probably tell you where it was at. I mean, he could just quote them. But you don't do that overnight. You've got to study and memorize a lot of Scripture. And there's people today that want to serve the Lord, but they don't want to spend any time in the book. Where you're going to be limited in knowledge, you're limited in ministry. You've got to spend time with the Lord. Let God teach you the Word of God, and it will be a great blessing to you.